0: If you want to turn in your Bibles to Jeremiah 25, I must admit to you that this subject today is the strangest of the servants in the servant series. This is what I call the rock star servant. His name is Nebuchadnezzar. And of all the servants that we've looked at that God has referred to as my servant, he is by far the most unusual But I think it's also very appropriate and applicable to our day and time. And he wasn't a rock singer, but the reason I say he's the rock star servant is because he was the most popular and well-known man in the world. And I've told you before that in the days of old, you had kings and queens and princes and princesses and rulers and barons and dictators. Those guys were the Hollywood elite, the rock stars of those days. So if you want to think about groups that are around today that have so much influence, let me say this, you better be glad that a lot of those that have so much influence are not the rulers. (laughs) We'd be in rough shape. They'd be like Nebuchadnezzar. But I couldn't help but think of the song called The Cover of the Rolling Stone by Dr. Hook and The Medicine Show. Some of you may have heard that before, but the words go like this. Oh, we're big rock singers, we got golden fingers, and we're loved everywhere we go. We sing about beauty and we sing about truth at $10,000 a show, probably times 100. Now, we take all kinds of pills to give us all kinds of thrills, but the thrill we've never known is the thrill that'll get you when you get your picture on the cover of the Rolling Stone. I want to see my picture on the cover. I want to buy five copies for my mother. I want to see my smiling face on the cover of the Rolling Stone. If you don't know what the Rolling Stone is, that's like the rock star icon. If you get your picture on that, then you've arrived. <laughs> and so this is Nebuchadnezzar. He's a rock star. He's the most powerful man on the planet. He is the dictator, the emperor, the king of the greatest empire on the planet. He's the most well-known person on the face of the earth. Can I emphasize that to you enough? Think about a big rock group or some big entertainment group, or even think about some of the people that are just so well-known, maybe even sports stars. They're no different than, a lot of times they're no different than the rock stars that I'm speaking of. So I want you to think about who this man is. And he also is, the, the, as I said, he is the um, emperor, he's the king of the Babylonian empire. If that doesn't mean anything to you, then it needs to. Because Babylon in the scripture is representative of what the best that the world has to offer. The highest that you can achieve in the world, that's Babylon. And then if you want to see the, the opposite of that, you would think about Jerusalem. Which is the best that God has to offer, supposed to be. And it's the best representative of God. You know, there's this city of God versus the city of man. And it's represented by Babylon. Maybe you have uh, remember the song that we sing that I love. I almost called on it this morning. Babylon has fallen. Okay. There is an ongoing controversy right now in the world. And even at this time, between the city of man and the city of God. And I don't think you have to... Look very far to understand. Search your own heart of faith to know who wins in the end. The city of God is going to win. The Lord is going to prevail. And what we have before us here today is this rock star style servant, Nebuchadnezzar, who at times was just a, just a wild man. And at other times, he was under the direct influence of God, doing exactly what God would have him to do. Now, did you know that... The site of Babylon is still around today. It's Baghdad, Iraq. That's where Babylon was. It's where one of the seven wonders of the ancient world, which was probably built during the days of Nebuchadnezzar, the hanging gardens of Babylon. And did you know also that the largest archaeological site in the world today is Baghdad? And it's from Babylon. There was so much going on there in the ancient world. So... Babylon represents the best of the world, and you might say the capital of Satan. And then you have Jerusalem, which represents the best of Jehovah or of God, and you would think about that being the capital city of God. Now, you say, well, that's long ago and far away. No, it's not, because when Jesus Christ ushered in the New Testament, when the New Testament came along, now you have the capital city of God. As you guessed it, the New Jerusalem is the church of God. So that puts in perspective what you're even doing here today. That conflict is still going on between the city of God, the church of God, and the, uh, the city of Satan, the city of the world. So let's read about Nebuchadnezzar, the rock star servant, Jeremiah 25. I want you to know its language. We're going to do a little bit more reading than normal. So I'm going to skip a few verses as we go just for the sake of time. But let's read in verse 1 of Jeremiah 25. The word that came to Jeremiah concerning all the people of Judah in the fourth year of Jehoiakim, the son of Josiah, king of Judah... That was the first year of Nebuchadnezzar, which is the same as Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon. And it goes on and tells how Jeremiah preached to these people. Notice it's the first year of Nebuchadnezzar. So Nebuchadnezzar has just come to power. And Jeremiah says, for 23 years, it's verse 3, for 23 years I've been preaching to you about repentance. And verse 4, the Lord has sent unto you all the servants, the prophets, rising early and sending them, but ye have not hearkened nor incline your ear to hear. They said, turn ye again, now everyone from his evil way, from the evil of your doings, and dwell in the land that the Lord hath given you and to your fathers forever and ever. And go not after other gods to serve them and to worship them and provoke me not to anger with the works of your hands, and I will do you no hurt. Yet ye have not hearkened unto me, saith the Lord, that ye might provoke me to anger with the works of your hands to your own hurt. Now listen, therefore thus saith the Lord of hosts, because ye have not heard my words, because you didn't listen to the preachers preaching to you the truth about how to live your life and how to honor God and how to worship God, he said, Behold, I will send and take all the families of the north, saith the Lord, and Nebuchadnezzar, Nebuchadrezzar, the king of Babylon, my servant. How about that? Now, this is, as far as I can tell, only one of about two foreign kings who the Lord directly... Influences to use in a certain way. And we're going to talk about the way that he uses Nebuchadnezzar as a servant. But he says, Nebuchadnezzar, this most powerful man, this greatest dictator on the planet is my servant. So understand what that means. That in the, in the rising of this man to power, this does not mean that every person that rises to power is directly influenced by God to rise to power. But in this circumstance where God is going to use Nebuchadnezzar, the most powerful man on the planet, God blessed him to rise to power. A foreign nation was blessed to rise to power. And for a singular purpose, the Lord's going to use Nebuchadnezzar for something. He says, he's my servant. He says, I will bring them against this land and against the inhabitants thereof, back in verse 9, and against all these nations round about, and will utterly destroy them, and make them an astonishment and hissing and perpetual desolation. Moreover, I will take from them, listen to this now, and think about the things that they enjoyed and the things that we enjoy in our lives. I will take from them the voice of mirth, that means celebrations of joyful times. And the voice of gladness and the voice of the bridegroom and the voice of the bride, the sound of the millstones and the light of the candle. He says, I'm going to take away everything that they enjoy. And this whole land shall be a desolation and an astonishment. And these nations shall serve the king of Babylon 70 years. So you see, God says, I'm going to use Nebuchadnezzar as a whip. He's going to whip my people. Brother Luke was talking about chastisement. This is not punishment. Where the Lord is doing away with them like you get a life sentence and you go away forever or you get the death penalty. This is chastisement from God. He is using a foreign king who at times is so drunk on power and maybe drunk on wine that he's just out of his gourd, out of his head. But in these circumstances where he comes to to the nation of Judah, he's using him as a whip. Now I want you to think about that now. God raised up Nebuchadnezzar who took over the entire world for the singular purpose of whipping his people. So the purpose of God raising up Nebuchadnezzar was not just in and of itself to let him become the dictator of the whole world. But it was so that he could teach his people, the nation of Judah, a lesson. And so what you find through the next the next 10 or 15 chapters, in one sense I'd just like to read the whole thing to you, but... When I was studying this, and I've looked at it before, but when I was studying it from this angle, it was, it was like some of the best novel fiction reading, but it's not fiction, that I've ever read. It was, just, it was just cliffhanger stuff. And my heart was just in a bind, thinking about how ridiculous the nation of Judah was being. And Jeremiah is the only prophet at this point who is saying, you need to give up. You need to give up and surrender to Nebuchadnezzar when he comes Everything will be okay. And nobody listened to him. You'll see Jeremiah, the rulers of the nation of Judah will put him in prison. And then some nice person will come along and work a plan to get him out of prison. He goes back to preaching. They put him in prison again. They even wanted to bring the death penalty on him at one point. And guess what? In the days of Jehoiakim, which is when Jeremiah spoke this in Jeremiah 25, Nebuchadnezzar comes and Nebuchadnezzar takes away Jehoiakim. And part of the people. That's probably the time when Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were taken captive, okay? Nebuchadnezzar puts another man from Judah in power. His name was Zedekiah. I don't want to throw too many names at you, but I think it's important that you understand what happens here. Jeremiah continues to preach, continues to preach for about ten more years. And the message again is now, because the people will not listen still, now Nebuchadnezzar's coming back. And he's going to level Jerusalem, level it, destroy it completely, burn down the temple. And he says, unless you give up, unless you put your neck under the yoke of the king of Babylon, you will not survive. And I would like to tell you, well, they listened, but they didn't. And in Jeremiah, the thirty ninth chapter, some of the saddest reading you'll find in the scripture. Jeremiah thirty nine. Listen to what it says. In the ninth year of Zedekiah, king of Judah, in the tenth month came Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, and all his army against Jerusalem, and they besieged it for two years. It was a siege for two years. And in the eleventh year of Zedekiah, in the fourth month, this is some of the saddest reading, the ninth day of the month, the city was broken up. The city of God was broken up, and it looks like it's over. No more Judah, no more king of Judah, They're going into captivity, but remember what God said? He said, for 70 years, you're going to go into captivity. This is some of the saddest reading. It says, All the princes of the kingdom of Babylon came in. Verse 3. Now look at verse 4. And it came to pass that when Zedekiah the king of Judah saw them and the men of war that he fled and went forth out of the city by night. You see, Zedekiah know that it's all, it's all up now. It's time to run. It's time to hide. By the gate betwixt the two walls, by the way of the king's garden, and he went out the way of the plain. But the Chaldeans pursued him, overtook Zedekiah in the plains, and when they had taken him, they brought him to Nebuchadnezzar king of Babylon in the land of Hamath, where he gave judgment upon him just like Jeremiah had said if you don't give up you're gonna die then the king of Babylon slew the sons of Zedekiah horrible in Riblah before his eyes how would you like it if your children were paraded in front of you and executed one by one these are horrible things are they not Also, the king of Babylon slew all the nobles of Judah. Moreover, he put out Zedekiah's eyes and bound him with chains to carry him to Babylon in complete and utter disgrace. You see, this is horrible. All because they didn't listen to the prophet Jeremiah the one man who was telling them the truth. And they knew he was telling them the truth because things he had said continued to come to pass. As a matter of fact, some, in some of that 15 chapters of reading, you'll find that a false prophet of Judah stood up and began to say, everything's going to be all right. Well, you know, we're going to be delivered from Nebuchadnezzar. And Jeremiah comes along and he says, this man's lying. He's going to die. And he died. That, I mean, think about that. A false prophet. I, I don't want to be crass or anything. How would it make you feel if the false prophets of the world today who are not telling the truth of God, and I'm not just talking about in the Christian world, I just mean in general. False prophets. What if they just fell over dead? (laughs) That happened in the days of Jeremiah. That would be convincing, would it not? This guy said, we're going to be okay, and he died. Jeremiah said, this guy's going to die for telling a lie. And they still didn't listen to Jeremiah. (laughs) That's something, isn't it? And so... It says that they put out the eyes of Zedekiah, he was led in chains. Watch this is so sad beautiful Jerusalem, the city of God that the Lord had placed His name upon and in the days of Solomon had built that beautiful temple that David had prepared for all these hundred years. This is about 600 years before the time of Christ. And this is around uh, 400 years after the days of David. The Chaldeans burned the king's house and the houses of the people with fire break down the walls of Jerusalem. The Nebuchadnezzar, the the captain of the guard carried away captive into Babylon the remnant of the people that remained in the city and those that fell away that fell to him with the rest of the people that remained. <laughs> but Nebuchadnezzar, it's hard to say his name, Nebuchadnezzar, who was the captain of the guard, had been given an order by the servant, the rock star servant, Nebuchadnezzar. And this was the order. He said, when you come to Jerusalem, when you find Jeremiah, <laughs> you set him free. So guess what? This captain of the guard, they're marching out the people from the city that have survived, that haven't starved, That haven't died from the sword. All the nobles of Judah have been put to death. guess where they found Jeremiah? He was in the prison. (laughs) He was in the prison. And he's being let out with the rest of the prisoners now. And the servant of God, Nebuchadnezzar, said, don't hurt that man. Now you think about the connection there. They've never talked before. Jeremiah's never met in person with Nebuchadnezzar. They didn't have texting or emailing. God has told Jeremiah that Nebuchadnezzar has been raised up to punish and to chastise the nation of Judah. And then God has apparently told Nebuchadnezzar that there's a guy down there named Jeremiah who's telling them they need to surrender to you. So Nebuchadnezzar, the servant of God at this point, says, set Jeremiah free. Look at Jeremiah chapter 40. It says in verse 2, The captain of the guard took Jeremiah, said unto him, Listen to what the captain of the guard of Babylon says. The Lord thy God hath pronounced this evil upon this place. You hear that? The Lord thy God hath pronounced this evil. Now the Lord hath brought it and done according as he has said. This man had to have something written in his heart that told him that Jeremiah's God was the true God. He says, now the Lord hath brought it to pass and done according as he has said, because ye have sinned against the Lord and have not obeyed his voice. Therefore, this thing has come upon you. Now, he's not speaking specifically to Jeremiah. He's saying about the people of Judah. And now behold, listen to verse four. And all the people standing around there who are in chains, who are being led off as prisoners. And he singles out this one man, Jeremiah, this prophet who has been abused, who has been treated horribly, thrown in prison, let go, thrown back in prison. And most of all, not listened to at all. Behold, I loose thee this day from the chains which were upon thine hand. If it seem good unto thee to come with me unto Babylon, come, and I will look well unto thee. (laughs) But if it seem ill unto thee to come with me to Babylon, forbear. Behold, all the land is before thee. Whether it seemeth good and convenient for thee to go, thither go. Look at the end of the next verse. It says, so the captain of the guard gave Jeremiah victuals and a reward and let him go. The captain of the guard gave him money. And gave him food. He said, you go wherever you want to go. You're a free man. What a vindication. Jeremiah could have gone to Babylon. And lived under the care of the captain of the guard. Who was also under the orders of Nebuchadnezzar. Who was the servant of God. The foreign king. He said, you can go anywhere you want to go. Well, guess where Jeremiah chooses to go. He said, I'm just going to stay here with my people. Isn't that something? That reminds me of Brother Obey years ago. You remember Brother Obey? He came over here for five or six years. God opened the door for to see the truth of God, and some of us thought, "Well, you know, after he's been exposed to such incredible opportunities in America, it would be hard for somebody to go back." But not Brother Obey. From the time he got here until the time he left, his goal was to go back to his people in Tanzania. What a servant of God! I think of Jeremiah in the sense of Brother Obey because you know, Brother Obey went back over there in three short years. He died. He died serving God. Jeremiah chose to stay with the people of God, and you know what? He continued to preach. After all this, after all that vindication, even the remnant of the people that were left in Jerusalem, just the lowest of the low, the weakest of the weak, they would not listen to Him. May this be a lesson to us, brothers and sisters. If the men of God are preaching the Word of God, influenced by the Spirit of God, we need to listen to them. The entire future of this nation did not hang on what king or dictator, or president they had. Are y'all listening to me this morning? The entire future of this nation, Judah, hung upon whether or not the people listened to the prophet of God and repented. Can that be plain enough? The entire future of the United States of America does not hang on who is president or what party you belong to. The future of this nation hangs upon whether God's people will listen to the minister of God and I pray to God that minister's not a false prophet telling them some lie. Everything's going to be all right. Everything's not going to be all right. Unless we do what Brother Luke has instructed us as parents to go and teach our children, everything's not going to be all right. Unless we do what the Word of God says in believing the truth and following the Lord and loving one another and serving one another and serving the Lord in the city of God, everything's not going to be all right. I'm not telling you gloom and doom. I'm I'm telling you there's hope for the future. Because even when God sent His people into captivity for 70 years, He said, I'm going to bring you back. You're coming back. And so Jeremiah, sadly, goes off and it's believed that he died in Egypt. The people left Jerusalem. God said, don't leave Jerusalem. They're coming back in 70 years. Just stay here, plant, build, do the things you ought to do. Serve me. They took off to Egypt. Do y'all remember Egypt? (laughs) Do y'all remember how the people of Israel were let out of Egypt hundreds of years before, about a thousand years before? They went back to Egypt, and they died there. And Jeremiah telling them the whole way, you're going to die there, you're going to die there, and they died there. Isn't it just simple? Wouldn't it, wouldn't it have been just simple to listen to the man of God and just do what the man of God said? <laughs> so this covers the period of time in which... Nebuchadnezzar was directly acting as the servant of God by whipping Judah. But if you, if you go over to Daniel, the first chapter, which is kind of the next phase of when Nebuchadnezzar is, is still, in some ways, the servant of God. Because you've got to remember, God's the one, the, the reason that he went into power in the first place. So first of all, you see Nebuchadnezzar as a war general and he disciplines the people of God. Now he's whipping some other nations too, but he specifically was told by God to discipline the people of God. And he decimates the the capital city of God under God's direction. He decimates it, burns down the temple, burns down the houses, and Jerusalem is just rubble. It's just laying there. It's a mess. But in the course of all that, he delivered. Did he not? He delivered God's man. He delivered Jeremiah. So the last thing we want to see about Nebuchadnezzar, the servant of God, is that he dies. And he doesn't die a physical death. You might say his brain dies. So let's consider in Daniel, the first chapter. Look at the reading there. In the third year of the reign of Jehoiakim, king of Judah, came Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, unto Jerusalem and besieged it. This was the first time he came. That's the first time Nebuchadnezzar came. The second time he comes, he completely wipes out Jerusalem. But in the first time, it's whenever he leads away Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And in Daniel chapter 1, we find that, you know what happens there, that's where Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego would not eat the king's meat. And it says at the end of the chapter, verse 19, we're going to move through this very quickly, the king communed with them. And among them all was none found, like Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. That's Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Therefore stood they before the king, and he promoted them. Nebuchadnezzar, recognized that there was something special about God's people. Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. In Daniel, the second chapter, you have Nebuchadnezzar in sort of a rock star state because he has a dream. He wakes up and can't remember the dream, and he calls all of his magicians and astrologers together, the wise men, and he says, I want you to tell me the dream. I can't remember it, and tell me what it means. That doesn't make any sense, doesn't It, it kind of sounds like some of the things some of these rock stars and great figures in the world say that are drunk on fame, doesn't it? You know, tell me what my dream was and tell me the interpretation of it. And they said, well, nobody can do this. What you're asking us to do is kind of crazy, king. And he says, I'm going to put you to death. Every one of you are going to die. It's a little extreme, isn't it? See, there's some of that rock star persona coming out. Just extreme. You know, it's not good enough just to have, you know, one house. You know, maybe we'll have 20 houses. It's not good enough just to have one car. Maybe uh, there'll be like some that, you know, and they'll have, you know, 300 cars. There's some of that extreme coming out in Nebuchadnezzar. He said, I'm going to put you to death. Well, Daniel comes along and tells him the dream and tells him the interpretation of the dream. And at the end of Daniel 2, we read that Nebuchadnezzar recognized something special about Daniel's God. Daniel's God could tell you the interpretation of a dream and could tell you what a dream was that you couldn't even remember. Daniel, the third chapter, well, here, here's where it all comes down. If you're wondering why I called him a, a rock star, here's the rock concert. It's a rock concert. For whatever reason, over the last two or three months, I've just been kind of... I like all kinds of different music. One of my favorite entertainers is Bruce Springsteen. I like some of his songs because it's kind of a blue-collar working man type song. That's the kind of music I like, you know. And so I just kind of did some YouTube search at some of his concerts. And just for tracing, I actually went to one of his concerts at the Ryman in Nashville back in the 90s. But I was just surfing through and looking at that, and I was thinking... This is unbelievable. They panned the crowd. There are, it's like 100,000 people in that crowd. And I'm sitting there thinking, he's playing some music, you know, that I like and that I can identify with, working man type music. And I'm thinking, he's preaching to these people. And then I started looking at some others and just seeing the crowds that are there. As a matter of fact, I think the Rolling Stones in Brazil several years ago, maybe 10 or 15 years ago, played to over a million people at one time on a beach down there i mean they were just they had jumbotrons you know set up all day. that's incredible isn't it how many of us are here this morning (laughs) what if god's people turned out in droves to hear the truth of the word of god in that way that's a that's a fantasy that i have in my mind wouldn't that be amazing but if you, you think if you don't think for one second that those guys that are gathering such a crowd if you don't think they're preaching then you're kidding yourself They're preaching every opportunity they can. They're preaching in their songs. They're preaching in their actions. They're preaching in what they hold to. They're preaching in what they like and what they don't like, what they wear. What they They're preaching. It makes me feel very insignificant. But then I think, you know, Jeremiah probably felt very insignificant too. Nobody listened to him. So you know what? We'll just keep on preaching. So Nebuchadnezzar has this great, huge rock concert. And he sets up an image for himself. That reminds you of the rock stars, doesn't it? He sets up an image for himself. or We might say icons. It could be more than rock stars. But he sets up an image for himself and he calls them all together and he says, Come and worship me. (laughs) And so these thousands of people come. But you know the story. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they wouldn't bow, they wouldn't bend, and they wouldn't burn. (laughs) And Nebuchadnezzar, in his rage, in his power and fame induced rage. No telling what else he was induced by because he was not a nice man. When he was in these types of states. He throws them in the fire, and he runs to the edge of the fire, and he looks down in there and he sees those three men and they're still in their hats and their coats, and there's four men in the fire. This is a an appearance of the Son of God before Calvary. And the Son of God, let me tell you, has power over the fire. (laughs) And Nebuchadnezzar looks down in there and he says, Didn't we throw three men down in there? (laughs) He said, yes, O king, we did. Well, there's four walking around. Tell them to come out. Would you ask them, please, to come out? <laughs> I want to talk to them. <laughs> and so at the end of that experience, Nebuchadnezzar, at this rock concert that was for the glory of him, he recognized a special, unique ability of God. And he also saw the Son of God. The last place that we read about Nebuchadnezzar, where we close this morning, is in Daniel 4. <laughs> and this is where Nebuchadnezzar gives his own detailed account. Of what happened to him. He has another dream. Very quickly. He has another dream. And Daniel tells him what that dream means. And he says, King, this is what it means. Because of your foolishness. Because of your being so drunk on power and fame. The Lord's going to judge you. And you're going to lose your mind. And Daniel says, King, repent and turn from your foolishness. So maybe it will delay this a little bit longer. Bring forth works of righteousness. So Nebuchadnezzar makes it for 12 months. And after that 12 months comes along. This man who was the servant of God, he's walking in his probably the hanging gardens that he the hanging gardens of Babylon. And he says, "Look at this great place that I have made, that I've made for myself and for my glory and for my majesty." A voice comes from heaven and God says, "Nebuchadnezzar, you're judged. He lost his mind and for 7 years he went out. You heard the old phrase, put out to pasture. God put Nebuchadnezzar out to pasture. Listen to me now. The most powerful man on the planet Who is the capital, who is the um, king in the capital of the most powerful nation and the most powerful city on the planet, the city of man? He represents everything that this world has to offer and the greatest of it all. And the Lord put him out to pasture. The Lord exercised his dominion over the most powerful nation on the planet. Are y'all listening to me this morning? That same God. Still has dominion, I tell you. That same God can put any Nebuchadnezzar out to pasture when he pleases. And some of you I know are saying, well, I wish he'd do it right now for this Nebuchadnezzar, that Nebuchadnezzar, and that Mrs. or Mr. Mis- Nebuchadnezzar. Let me tell you something. In one way or another, we're all Nebuchadnezzars. We've all had our crazy thoughts. We've all had our crazy plans. We've all had our narcissistic moments. We've all said it's about me. We've all said, look at this image for the glory of me. If you haven't, you just haven't lived long enough yet. We're all Nebuchadnezzars in some sense. And I tell you what, when we see the glory of God and we we see the sovereignty of God and we see the ability of God and we see the dominion of God, it puts us out to pasture. Nebuchadnezzar comes from being out to pasture for seven years. I heard one old preacher say one time that if you want to see what Nebuchadnezzar looked like with his fingernails grown out, his hair grown out like bird's feathers, he said, just go to the mall sometime. And look, there's folks walking up and down the mall like that everywhere. (laughs) Nebuchadnezzar comes comes back to sanity. He's restored into his kingdom. And this is what he says. At the end of the days, verse 34 of Daniel chapter 4, Nebuchadnezzar lifted up mine eyes unto heaven and mine understanding returned to me. And I blessed the Most High. And I praised and honored Him that liveth forever, whose dominion is an everlasting dominion. And His kingdom is from generation to generation. Brothers and sisters, this is the most powerful political figure on the planet giving the praise and honor and glory... To the Most High God, Jesus Christ, King of kings and Lord of lords. Wouldn't it be wonderful to see every leader on the planet today to extol and honor the Most High God in this way? I tell you, you talk about revival. You talk about something making a change. But this proves in the book of Proverbs where he says that the the, uh, ruler's hand is in the heart of the Lord. And whithersoever the uh, river turneth, he can turn the ruler's heart. Well, he turned Nebuchadnezzar's power drunk heart, didn't he? And all the inhabitants of the earth are reputed as nothing, and he doeth according to his will in the army of heaven, and among the inhabitants of the earth, and none can stay his hand or say unto him, What doest thou? Most powerful man on the planet. That was some kind of confession, wasn't it? For us, we we need the discipline of God, don't we? Just like our children need discipline from time to time, loving discipline, we need the discipline of God. We need to have like like the Lord decimated his own city. We need, we need to have our little cities that we build up in our minds and our heart. Our little strongholds. We need to have those places decimated. You know, it's good. There's more to rebuild on then. And we need to listen to the men of God. Whether it's Brother Luke, myself, other preachers that you listen to, make sure they're not false prophets. Test what they say by the word of God. We need to listen to them. And like Nebuchadnezzar, sometimes we need to be put out to pasture. We get filled up with ourselves and we get drunk on our own fame and and our own attention not focusing on ourselves we need to be put out to pasture and we need to confess like nebuchadnezzar (laughs) the most powerful man in the world confess that the most powerful sovereign god has dominion and jurisdiction over me (laughs) you know we're all little nebuchadnezzars i hope that we can learn from this rock star servant children let me tell you something Anybody ever comes up to you and says, hey, you want to be famous? You might as well just go ahead and say no. (laughs) Because everybody that's famous, like Nebuchadnezzar, they have issues that you don't ever want to deal with. You don't want to be famous. You don't want to be a rock star servant. (laughs) You just want to be simple, child of God, who goes through the world trying to be a servant of God, humbling yourself, following the Lord, and learning from the men of God and your parents and others around you that are instructing you in wisdom and in godliness. One of the best things that we can do as children of God, if you haven't done it, is to follow the Lord in New Testament baptism. If you believe that the sovereign in heaven is your only source of salvation, then guess what? You're in the right place. And as we sing a song, we give you an opportunity to come forward and make that known.